Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Thank you for joining us online or in person. Let's spend a moment of silence and solitude and center ourselves to hear from God today through his word, through stories, through humor, through truth. So let's bow our heads. I'm going to give you a couple seconds. Let's exhale all the automatic ruminating thoughts that might be weighing on you this season. Just bring it to the feet in the house of the Lord and let it go. And inhale the sweet presence of God The promise that when we supplicate and give our anxieties to Him, that He will give us a transcending peace and presence. Right now, let's also pray, as we go into the Word today, let's pray for the seeds planted at NYU. Um, Very encouraging news. Some people read the book in one sitting. That's the best compliment for an author like me. You write these things, and it's like, uh, is anyone saying anything? (laughs) But uh, already seeds are being planted. So imagine just right now with your moral imagination in your mind, can you imagine people reading the book that Henry beautifully designed, The Holy Haunting? Ah! And can you pray right now that during just births of reading and falling asleep sometimes, as the words sometimes, you know, are heavy, will you pray that the Holy Spirit would nudge the hearts and they would sense the book's title, The Holy Haunting, and say, oh, I get it. And many would start gospel conversations with their friends at NYU, in cafes, and within their own community. All God's people pray. Amen. Okay, so today we conclude the Bible Made Simple series. Um, The origin and the intent of this series is a basic overview of the Bible's origins, limits, and its ultimate aim. And put this picture up here. The Bible Made Simple series, as the title suggests, in many ways was inspired by the popular For Dummy series, which aims to present a practical, non-intimidating guide to novices Uh, completely new to this topic of inquiry. So this community here in in our church is a diverse community of faith. 
Some people from sometimes different religious backgrounds. Some people are close to faith. Some people are uh, far from faith, almost atheistic, skeptical. Some people are somewhere in between. And one of our aims in 180 is to become a growing community. Peter Singe at MIT talks about a, a growing organization, an organism. Tell someone next to you, I want you to be growing. I want you to be growing. I want you to put your thinking caps on today because we're going to go for a ride. When we talk about uh, a biblical anthropology, a biblical epistemology, and a biblical hermeneutic, you're like, what? Good. We're going to make you hurt a little bit in your mind. No, but the whole point is this is critical for our community because at the same time, we know that this is where the analogy fails because we know that when we look uh, through the Bible through a multidisciplinary lens, the Bible is not simple, cannot be simple. It cannot be made simple. It's actually full of complexity. Why? Well, put the next slide up. Because we're grappling with 4,000 years. Tell someone next to you, 4,000. You guys waking up now? Get some coffee. 4,000 years of history. We're grappling with the psychosocial complexity, economic complexity of four millennia. And that's why the greatest problem is that we generalize the Bible, we take it out of context, and we leverage it for not its intended aim. And that's a lot of the problems. And so what ends up happening in history, as we've seen many times, is that a fundamentalism, a dangerous fundamentalism is rising today, using scripture to leverage injustices, inequities. I got it right this time. Um, and we see it because people are untethered from the context and the origin and formation of Scripture. Or sometimes when people are too loosely takes away from the anchor of history of the text, they become mystical, too subjective, where everything goes. And they see Jesus in literally anything. And it becomes untethered from reality. We want to be balanced, both word and spirit. And it's critical because for seekers, you need to understand that the Bible has a basic hermeneutic. There's a common thread that runs through this book. And that's what we want to talk about today. But first, let's do a little overview of our series as we conclude today. So... As I said, we take it out of context and we leverage it for purposes that's not for its intended aim. First, a biblical anthropology. Tell someone your biblical anthropology. Focuses on, and I know this is taboo, focus on the Bible's limits. And my wife said to me, you sure you want to put that on the title? What if the Southern Baptists see it? Because I have a lot of friends in the Southern Baptists, and we disagree on certain things. I believe the Bible is inerrant in its intended aim. Inerrant simply means it's infallible. But we differ in our definition. And all I mean by limits is that any human invention, any human constructs has limitations. For example, 
your car, if you own one, can't really pass 150 before breaking apart. Except if you're Andrew Rowe, he has a new Hyundai Electra car. He went from zero to 60 like in three seconds and he didn't tell me that he was gonna tell, you know, he was gonna go in. I had whiplash from that. We're going to Philly, he just went literally 060 from a stoplight to the next. I think he went 180 or something like that. He's going to get in trouble by star. But, yeah, it, it can't pass 150, but at 1850, that would have been alien. The horse and carriage, the fastest speed would be 20. That's almost eight times the speed. So... Well, all I buy, the Bible, a biblical anthropology that has limits, it means that it's the Bible inhibits time. Tell someone it inhibits time. So it's written about what? The past. The Bible primarily is about the past. The canon are 66 books or 73 books from the Catholic Church to the Protestant Reformation. It's about the past. So because the Bible inhibits time, scientific knowledge also inhibits time. For example... In, in 1 Kings, in Solomon's temple, there's a measurement of a ritual bath given, and it measures the circumference of pi at three, three point and some change. But that's not the most accurate description of pi. At the fifth century, almost 1,100 years after Kings, Joe Chengzi, isn't that uh, Andrew Lee and, and Haley's dog's name? Chengzi? You guys are super nerdy. You named your dog after a Chinese mathematician that came up with the most closest value for pi, and let's put the next picture up, at 3.415926. So when you say the Bible is inerrant or infallible, and Solomon gives you the wrong formula for pi, which is still very close, but still not the most accurate formula for pi, then we have a myriad of problems. If 1 Kings is wrong about the closest proximity to pi, and you have the mind of God giving you the formula for pi, then God got math wrong? Well, that's not a God I want to believe in. So when we say these limits, we're talking about the scientific knowledge present. 4,000 years, they've had formulas for pi, and still going closer to proximity until the Chinese astronomer and mathematician got it the most accurate. So that's why we have limits. Scientific knowledge is up to that point in history. The Babylonians, Egyptians, which Moses would have known, had that formula. Or when we talk about how people say, well, the Bible's so archaic, it's sexist. It elevates patriarchy. It doesn't elevate patriarchy, it just inhibits patriarchy. Well, it's the same thing. No, it's not. It's written in 4000 BC to 1 AD. Of course it's a patriarchy. If it didn't resemble a patriarchy, it would be untethered from human history. It would be alien in that time period. And because it inhibits time, it's stuck in a period of history. And those are the limits and constraints you have to understand. Because when you try to make it universal, that's when it gets confusing. That's when a lot of seekers lose faith. Well, you got the pyrong, so how, how do I know the resurrection is right? How do I know this is right? 
Some people try to put dinosaurs in the Noah's Ark, in the Creation Museum. That's a whole different problem. But that's what I'm saying. So for believers, you need to understand, even though transcending statements of faith are inerrant and infallible, the technical details, the human anthropology, there are limits. And that's all we're saying. Amen? All right, so that's the first thing. And we talked about last week a, the idea of a canonical theism that the Holy Spirit used the patristic period, the church, early church fathers, to create a canon that was a list that would give you the most precise, accurate witness of God in human history. And that we don't just believe in the Word of God. Simply, fundamentally, we put heavily our trust in the quadrilateral reason, experience, and tradition. And today, I want to finish off with a biblical hermeneutic. How you interpret scripture and its singular common thread through many authors, through time, that gives you a very poignant story. And if, you, and if I say, well, what's the point of scripture? It's just one word. Jesus. Tell someone next to you, Jesus. Sunday school answer. That's the correct answer today. The Bible, if it had a motif, it's prospective and retrospective. When we look at, let's go back to the Bible's timeline here. Everything points back to the birth of Jesus. In the Old Testament, it counts down. You ever notice that before Christ, you move and you count down? Like the New Year's with 10, 9, 8, 7. We count down. Human history in Western civilization as we know it counts down before Christ. Why? Because the most important figure of Western civilization is Jesus. And the Old Testament is framed that way. So the Old Testament is prospective. Everything, every single book, every single narrative, whether fulfilled in the prophet's timeline or not, foreshadows Adventus. Tell someone next to you, Adventus. The arrival. The arrival of Jesus. It foreshadows prophetically the coming of a child. Progeny, it's his main story. Aminyoung and Danny are back today. Let's welcome them. We told them how hard it was going to be raising a child. And they were like, you never told us. Well, there's a very big difference between preparing to go to space and being in space. And that's where you're at right now, but we're praying for you. We love that you guys are back today with Augie. But if you look at the Bible's history, 5,000 times it mentions offering or a child over and over again. If you look at the beginning of Matthew, it gives you a genealogy of all the offspring from Abraham to David to Jesus. When you think of prophecy, prophetically, the big P operates in biblical hermeneutics from Genesis. It foreshadows and foretells the coming of a child that will save the world. Now this is, happens over and over 
and over again. Now, after the time of Jesus, when we count down, ando domini, we count forward. And we, ando domini simply means emperor in time. And we count forward in the time, in the year of our Lord, 2022. So, but we don't look forward from the New Testament. The New Testament refers back to who in the timeline? Jesus. How many people here saw Jesus in the flesh? Raise your hand. You saw Jesus in the flesh? Talk to me afterwards. What kind of milk are you drinking? Spilled milk. But no, we haven't seen Jesus in the flesh. Why? Because it's 2,000 years removed from us. We believe in Jesus retrospectively. We look back to the first century, the stories from the first century, and the testimonies of the first century. So there's nothing propelling us forward in the revelation of God. It, well, it's retrospective and moves us back. So scripture in its entirety is always prospective, adventus, and retrospective, nostalgia, a homecoming of Jesus. And first, let's focus on the first thing here. So how is it prospective? Well, let's look here. When we look at the story after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, right? The Magi came from the east, Babylonia, to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star, which we know is a comet, when it rose, and have come to worship him. So the Babylonians, who don't have a framework of biblical history, simply, during the captivity, have parts of the Torah. And they could tell that a new ruler, this prophecy, will rise in Bethlehem. And that's how they knew they came. So you see, they knew that something was foretold. Move down. In the Matrix, the framework of the whole Old Testament can be summed up by the Matrix movie. It's about the one, Keanu Reeves. Neo. It's about a prophecy foretelling that a savior will come and, and save people from the captivity of the matrix itself and reconstruct reality itself. And in the Old Testament, it's always perspective. Let's move down. The Bible is always perspective. Move down. So here, the Bible before Christ is always perspective. Next slide. So let me show you the prophecies here. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies spoken by different voices over 500 years. Now, I put it up here. This sheet is way too long to go over. But 300 prophecies. So when we talk about the big P, talking about foretelling the future, a lot of people get this wrong about the Bible. The Bible does not foretell 99% of the time about human history. It is not interested in the apocalypse. It's not interested if stars are going to collapse. It's not interested if a devil will rise up and be the Antichrist. That's all interpretation that's taken out of context. And I, I would say it's crazy to think that way when you interpret scripture correctly. Because the Bible is interested in a child. It's interested 
in Jesus to save the world. It's interested in this person in history. So let's go over just a few that I can highlight without going two hours over. Key highlights. 29 major prophecies fulfilled in a single day, the day Jesus died. Second, the exact manner of his death, Isaiah 53, Genesis 3. The exact place of his birth and burial is there. So, the Old Testament is always prophetic, always prospective. From the time of Abraham in ancient Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq, all the way to the coming of Jesus, it's all about prospective faith. They found salvation through looking through the lens of the future, something that wasn't present, something they could not see, something foreshadowed. And all of Scripture is summed up by that prophetic nature. So that's very important to understand that the Messiah is foreshadowed multiple times. So that's the first thing. So the first lesson is what? The Bible is always prospective before Christ. Secondly, let's move down the timeline here. Second point, the Left Behind series. Okay? The Bible after Christ is always what? Almost I say always almost because Jesus does refer to a second coming and in the ascension that he will return. Now, we don't know exactly what that means. And it's a mystery. It's complicated to go into that. But the New Testament, 99% of the time, looks back to the person of Christ. It doesn't look forward to anything else. Okay? Now, people take the book of Revelations as, you know, about the future. And this movie here, Left Behind series, sold 71 million copies. Tell someone next to you, 71 million. 71 million about the Left Behind series, interpreting the book of Revelations. And these are Christians, and mostly fundamental Christians, that we love and should love, but interpret Scripture incorrectly. But 71 million copies. But let me just give you a little bit background about Revelations. I mean, the original context of the book of Revelations are people are being thrown in the lion's den, be, you know, like the movie Gladiator. Christians are being persecuted. They're being eaten by lions in the Colosseum. They're being torched, burned alive. Why would John, the apostle, write to the church struggling with death, seeing their parents martyred, write about the future here? this time. How would that encourage the people in the first century? Yeah, so guys, uh, imagine John writing the letter to churches, and their families are dying, they're being persecuted, they're being martyred. Yeah, so let me tell you about the future. It gets worse. Yeah, everyone's going to die, the star's going to collapse, you know, and all this, and people are like, what the hell are you talking about? There's no reason for John to write a letter about the future when what is the most concerning is what? The present. Revelation is about how Christ has overcome death through the resurrection. So it's interpreted incorrectly. Why? Because the Bible after Jesus, what? Always is what? Retrospective. It looks back to Jesus. doesn't look toward the future. So move down.
Is there any more slides that I gave you? No more? Okay, you lost them. All right. It's okay. I forgive you. But 71 million copies are sold about focusing on the apocalypse when the apocalypse was happening in the first century, folks. So when you focus on prophecy, that's really the major big prophecy happens before Jesus. Why? Because the Bible's totality and its aim is to focus on what? Jesus is coming. After Jesus, it's all about renewal. How do we renewal, renew, and relive the power and the person of Jesus Christ? Death, resurrection. How does that apply today? So when you read the Bible hermeneutically, that's what you need to focus on. How it's prospective in the Old Testament and how it's retrospective. And if you think about it, how did you come to faith in Christ today? And those who you even seeking? You're not looking toward the future. You're looking what? Backwards. Looking retrospectively to the cross, to the, you know, to the kerygma, to the decoration of Christ. And that's how you came to faith. So when you have this two biblical lens, it can be what? A guardrail. And during the Thanksgiving break, Daryl Johnson, one of the greatest apolo- you know, apologists and uh, expositors in the 21st century, teaches about the book of Revelations that we want to introduce. And he actually has a commentary on the book of Revelations that you can get for free if you had Kindle Unlimited, or you can buy it and support him if you want. But this is so critical to understand the Bible in a basic framework, because in the end of the day, the Bible is about Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ, and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's stand and pray together. Now, here in the New Testament time period, after Jesus' death, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension, whatever takes you away from the person of Jesus Christ and those three singular motifs is a distraction to Christian faith. Even the gifts of the Holy Spirit is a distraction if it doesn't bring you back to Jesus Christ. And today the question is, are you grounded in your relationship with Jesus? If you're a seeker, the question is, are you grappling with Jesus in history? Because from the very beginning in ancient Mesopotamia, when Moses writes Genesis, he foreshadows an offspring that would come from Eve, the daughter of Eve, a son of Eve, that would crush the head of the serpent. And it says in Genesis 3, 15, very clearly, that the serpent will strike its heel, but he will crush his head. Amen? 
a foreshadowing almost 4,000 years before even Moses knows what this is, the death of Jesus Christ and the victory in the revelation of Jesus Christ and in the person of Jesus Christ. Today, if you're a seeker, grapple with that prospective revelation. If you're a believer, come back. Whatever's taking your focus off Jesus, come back to Jesus. So will you lift your hands today with me as we sing and make this our prayer? We want to follow. You are holy. Words of God together. The name of Jesus. You are Lord of Lords. You are Lord of Lords. You are King of Kings. You're the mighty God. You are mighty God. Lord of everything. You're Emmanuel. You're the great I am. You're my Prince of Peace. Who is the Lamb? Who is the You're the living God. You're the living You're my Savior. You will reign forever. You will reign forever. You're the ancient of days. You're the, You're the Alpha Omega. Alpha Omega. Beginning. You're my Savior, Messiah, Redeemer, and friend. You're my Prince of Peace. Now we live. So, Father, we come before you this afternoon today. We thank you for the revelation of God that's God breathed into the traditions of all the authors of Scripture that witness God moving, how he inhibited time from Genesis in its covenant with Abraham to David to the time Jesus in the Incarnation crucifixion, and resurrection. Now for the seeker, 
historically and empirically and rationally think through the prophecies. A lot of people don't believe that you can do, you can foreshadow all these events, but it is undeniable that time itself counts backwards before Jesus. Jesus somehow has broken time, reconstructed reality to his image without ever writing a book, just people writing about him and dying at the age of 33 and only in the public eye for three years in a town called Nazareth that no one even knew really existed in Rome. We worship 8 billion people. There's not one person that doesn't know the name Jesus. If you go to Latin America, a lot of people name Jesus. Caesar Augustus is named after salad dressing or a pizza. Who in the Romans times was known as a god. So for the seeker, you have to grapple with the prophecies and Jesus showing up in history and retrospectively what happens. It is astounding, the evidence. For the believer, it's a question of, are we distracted by peripheral things in our spiritual life or are we consumed for our adoration and our focus the person of Jesus Christ? Emmanuel, God with us, Alpha Omega, who has no beginning and no end. And coming back to focus on him and his leadership for our life and his calling and destiny to join him to restore the beauty in all creation. Whether you're looking prospectively or retrospectively through the Bible, I pray and bless your journey of the beautiful revelation of Jesus Christ found in Scripture. Will you bow your heads for the benediction today? In the tradition of the church, for two millennia, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to 180 Church, the Sunday service today. My name is Sarah. I'm a member here at 180 Church. I'm just going to be sharing some community news before we go into the rest of today's service. So first off is how you can give. If you're a member here at 180 Church, we want to remind you to keep God in the center of your life and finances. You can tithe at Venmo, Zelle, Chase QuickPay, or PayPal. If you're visiting, welcome. You're our guest. There's no financial obligation to, to give. But if you'd like to, you're welcome to give so through the methods above. And next up, we have Bible Reading Group, which is a really great way to connect um, with God's word throughout the week and with each other. Um, you'll find on our Instagram at 180BRG beautiful images and captions to bright up your feed throughout the week. And once again, it's a great way to keep God's word in our lives and to also share these images with our friends and family.
So more ways we connect can connect on social media throughout the week. We have all these places listed above that you can find us on social media. So we have our Facebook, Dr. Sammy's Twitter, our, our YouTube, which many are watching right now, our live stream, and we have our three different Instagram handles. We want to invite you all to follow along with these throughout your weeks. And if anything encourages you to share it with someone that you care about. And so next up, we have our 180 holiday remote services. So we will be meeting remotely for three holidays, the three holidays coming up, I guess. Um, and so we, it's just a really great time to gather with family and to enjoy service with them. And it could be a time to um, have a family member hear the gospel for the first time and to just really um, dwell in that place together and to have a break for all of our workers here. So um, we just want to let you guys know about this. So next Sunday, we won't be here for Thanksgiving. Um, we will be meeting on the YouTube, so you can find us there on the live stream. And then the next two will be Christmas and New Year's. So yeah, hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving with family this week, and we'll see you online on Sunday. Next up, we have small groups. So small groups are a way we can slow down and reflect on what we hear on Sundays in community. So we're meeting mostly remotely, some are meeting in, um, in person, but you can find all of these times and groups listed on the screen. If you have any questions about this, you can talk to any of our 180 greeters in 180 shirts. So next up, we have some resources to share with you that are available for purchase at our cafe slash bookstore. So these are devotionals that um, can really help you on a daily basis to just center yourself and even hear what um, hear Christ through these prayers in your life and what he's saying. So um, we also have Dr. Sammy's book, A Holy Haunting, that is available for pre-order still there. And speaking of holy haunting, we just want to remind all of our um, members here that have the pre-ordered copy to read it and maybe read it in community in your small groups and share it with one another so that we can prepare for the book launch and also just get ready to share it with our friends and family once it's launched. And speaking of um, A Holy Haunting, 250 students received this at the care package. It was a huge success, the event. Um, yeah, we want to thank all of you here for your prayer and monetary support. Um, so once again, 250 care packages were given out that included the book. And so we're hoping that this can really impact their lives and even help them meet God through the book. And so we have that students were waiting for two hours before the event. And so um, you could imagine all the fellowship that might have been happening there and the anticipation. So we want to just pray um, and we ask you guys to keep in prayer that this will plant seeds to truly bring renewal to NYU and these students to find Christ. All right. So the next announcement we have is more about our cafe outside. So out there, speaking of cool hoodies like we're at the care package, you can get a 180 sweatshirt um, or a shirt or a hoodie. All those three things and those prices are listed above. And this is once again by the honor system. So feel free to pick one up and pay however, in whatever method you'd like to. All right, next up we have our prayer text hotline. So this is an awesome resource where if there's anyone or anything that you have going on in your life or anyone you'd like to request prayer for, you can submit it here and there will be a team praying in confidentiality for you. And if there are any prayers that are answered, we wanna invite you to just share that as well so that the team can celebrate with you. Um, yeah, so feel free to keep that going. And also we have our prayer um, that meets in the, in the theater right before service at 1140. So you can come join and prepare your heart um, for service beforehand. All right, and lastly, I believe we have all the different ways you can serve. So we're looking for volunteers to just um, participate in many different areas in our community. We have our cafe bookstore, so you can come help wake people up both literally and spiritually. 
You can come help our littlest members get to know the love of Jesus better in Sunday school. And for any people that are experienced in tech at all and coding, you can come help us, help us build really cool stuff online and get the gospel out. And for greeters, um, if anyone wants to help welcome both new and old faces into our community, um, you can join and do that that way. Um, so yeah, if you have any questions about serving, you can ch chat with me or any of the greeters. 